mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. So today, the second Sunday um, after Easter, we call this oftentimes Good Shepherd Sunday. That's kind of the nickname for today's, um, today's week because, of course, our gospel begins with Jesus talking about himself as the Good Shepherd. Um, and this is, this is an important part of Eastertide because what we're going to be seeing in these texts today is the implications of what happens from Easter. The, the, this is a natural um, outflowing of the Easter celebrations. So the last couple of weeks, as well as on Easter itself, we looked at the actual resurrection narratives. And all of our epistles talked about kind of the theology behind resurrection. What does that mean for us? Well, today we're going to see how the resurrection applies in our regular Christian life. So our collect today on page 171, we prayed this. Almighty God, who hast given thine only son to be unto us both a sacrifice for sin and also an ensample of godly life. Give us grace that we may always most thankfully receive that his inestimable benefit and also daily endeavor ourselves to follow the blessed steps of his most holy life through the same thy son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So... Because he's the sacrifice for sin, but he's not only the sacrifice for sin, he's also an example of godly life. That's where our I am the good shepherd comes in. I am the good shepherd, we read, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. His sacrifice for sin is because, as the good shepherd, he gives his life for the sheep. And then he goes on to contrast His ministry is the one who gives the life with that of the hireling who's not the shepherd. That he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, his own sheep, the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. So the one who is not the good shepherd, he leaveth the sheep. He doesn't care about the sheep. And there's an implication here in context. Jesus was just talking to the Pharisees about their own spiritual blindness. And he's he's implying here the Pharisees are just the hirelings. They're not a good shepherd. They don't care about the sheep. They don't recognize the good shepherd anyway. They're just a hireling. And that indictment on the Pharisees can also apply uh, beyond the Pharisees to today as well. Now, we can easily picture um, some of the megachurch culture, some of the the prosperity gospel culture that really you can see, yeah, this is not about the the sheep. <laughs> this is not about Jesus. This is about something else. But we can do this in very humble situations as well. It's very easy for one of the shepherds to say, I just want to climb the ecclesiastical ladder. I need a purple shirt. Um, and you, So you go find a small little splinter group where you can get a purple shirt. That happens all the time. Um, it's easy to say, well, I kind of want to be liked by people. Everybody likes their pastor. That's someone who maybe hasn't been a pastor for very long. Uh, <laughs> No, that's not true. Actually, y'all, y'all treat me so well. <laughs> but, but I do hear from a lot of people who that's not the case. <laughs> um, but, but, I mean, you know, it, it is very easy to say, this is a job where people will like me. Um, I had a, a mentor when I was a postulant who um, he had been, before he became an Anglican priest, he had been in the Disciples of Christ, and he started there as a military chaplain. And he says, you know, back then I didn't know the Lord at all. I was just so disgusted with myself that I wanted a job where people would love me. And it took some real tragedy to bring him to the end of himself where he could be a good shepherd and not just a hireling. Um, 
We could just want to boss people around. That's easy to happen in small churches, in any church, and especially, frankly, in a very hierarchical church like ours is. Father knows best, right? That's how we, that's how we approach the clergy all too often. But that's not what it means to be the good shepherd. No, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. We need to follow then in the footsteps of the good shepherd. We need to follow in the steps of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what does that look like? Well, he says, I know my sheep and am known of mine, even as the father knoweth me and I know the father and lay down my life for the sheep. Part of the reason why he's the good shepherd is because he does intimately know us. He does know us as deeply as he knows his father. And therefore, he brings us into that relationship. We know him because he knows us. Now, we're never going to know him as perfectly as he knows us. That's part of him being um, God, him being omniscient, him not being limited. But we have the opportunity to grow for eternity in knowing the Lord. That's why we pray in the, uh, in the Eucharist, in the, in the prayers of the people, in the um, prayer for the church militant, we remember those who have gone before us and do pray for that continual growing in the Lord's faith. And you'll be hearing that in just a little bit, of course, as we go through the message or we go through the liturgy. He knows us and that's why he gives his life for us because we belong to him. St. Peter then in our epistle, he talks about some of the implications of that, which is because he knows us, because we're his sheep, because he's our shepherd, we follow him. For hereunto ye were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness. So he bears our sins so that we would be made righteous. And because we've been made righteous, then we can follow in that example, as St. Peter says, as our colleague says. We follow his example. And Jesus says that, that, that the sheep follow him. Now, our opening hymn was based on Psalm 23. I'd like to turn there for a little bit as well. Um, This is not something I typically do, preach from the Psalms. I don't usually look at the Psalms very much in our Eucharist stuff because we don't say them. (laughs) But this is a really good example. And and we do do read through the Psalms every day during morning and evening prayer. Um, And I can, y'all have heard this before, uh, the regular recitation of all the Psalter, the singing of all the Psalter, it's probably been the biggest benefit of, of uh, my spiritual growth as an adult. Um, but we typically don't do that in the Mass. But here today, we're going to look at Psalm 23 on In Your Prayer Book, page 368, if you want to follow along. The Lord is my shepherd, therefore I can lack nothing. He shall feed me in green pastures and lead me beside the water of comfort. He's the good shepherd because he lays down his life. And because he's laid down his life and he leads us, we lack nothing. He gives us everything that we need. That's part of why St. Peter can say, um, if you suffer for righteousness sake, it's okay. He suffered for you too. 
We don't have to be the ones providing for ourselves. We don't have to be the ones fighting for everything that we think that we should have. But no, the Lord provides for us. I can lack nothing. He feeds me in a green pasture, leadeth me forth beside the waters of comfort. Now, oftentimes when we read this well-known psalm, we kind of think of those lush um, shepherd fields in Ireland or uh, kind of the um, borderlands of Scotland. Um, You know, this real picturesque kind of thing. Um, That's not the Middle East. King David was not picturing uh, the Tullamora Dew commercial uh, when when he was composing this. But rather in the Judean wilderness, it's very rocky. Think kind of a cross between our hill country and Arizona. Um, it's, it's, it's very much like that. We were there not too long ago um, in what we think was the inspiration for this psalm, and Vadi Kelt, Vadi Kelt. Um, it is called the Valley of the Shadow of Death. You can find green there for your sheep, and they do. It's these little patches here, little patches there, and colloquially they call those the green pastures. You need to have a shepherd take you to those green, she- green pastures. The sheep ain't going to find it themselves. Often the picture in kind of the more, uh, especially uh, British Isles shepherding is the shepherd drives the sheep ahead because the sheep, you know, he just needs to keep the sheep going because they're going to, you know, find a place and just camp out to eat. Um, that's not the way it is in the Middle East. In the Middle East, the shepherd has to leave the sheep because otherwise the sheep won't find anywhere to eat. Same with the waters of comfort. In Vadi Kelt, there's a um, kind of a waterfall going down to the valley. And you can hear it when you're at the top of the valley, but you can't see it. The only reason why you know there's something there is because there's this green stripe where, by, by where the waterfall is. Um, you, you need to find those waters of comfort. And if you've been in the Judean wilderness for a long time, those waters are indeed a comfort. Um, the uh, the uh, heretic of our, uh, our tradition, Bishop Pike, famously got lost in some of those wilderness because he was trying to find something, didn't prepare, and he died. <laughs> Bishop Pike died in the wilderness. His was more towards Qumran, which is even worse than the Judean wilderness, but still, it happened. Verse 3, he shall convert my soul and, take me, and bring me forth in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Um, The King James says he will refresh my soul, convert my soul, refresh my soul. He changes me. He makes me better. And again, didn't we just see that in our our epistle? Um, Our good shepherd, it says, he um, bear bear our sins in his own body that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness. Part of what the good shepherd does is he makes us better than we would be. He converts our soul. He refreshes our soul. He gives us life from death. And he brings me forth in paths of righteousness for his namesake. If you, Christian, had been wandering away from the Lord, falling into those dangerous sin patterns that may either lead to backsliding or apostasy, depending on how far that road goes... Um, turn around and follow him on those paths of righteousness because he will convert and refresh your soul. It says, Thou shalt prepare a table before me in the presence of them that trouble me. Thou hast anointed my head with oil. My cup shall be full. Our opening hymn, um, our processional hymn, rightly um, drew from this verse and kind of brought some sacramental implications there. 
a table before me in the presence of them that trouble me. In this world, you will have tribulations, but he's given us a table to refresh us, to feed us spiritually, and anoint our head with oil so that our cup shall be full. Surely, thy loving kindness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Because he's the good shepherd, his loving kindness and mercy follows us. We are surrounded by his grace. One of our colleagues um, says, may your grace uh, both prevent and follow us, go before us and follow us. He surrounds us with his grace so that we would be cushioned from the wiles of the enemy, from those destructive things that the world, the flesh, and the devil bring to us. That's part of what it means to be the good shepherd. And because of that, he brings us to dwell in his house forever. Going back to our gospel, he says, Other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring. They shall hear my voice. There shall be one flock, one shepherd. There is not an Anglican heaven and a Baptist heaven. (laughs) There's not a separate Anglican heaven from a Roman Catholic heaven. There is just one world to come. There is just one new Jerusalem, and he does gather us all together. Um, despite our grievous separations, despite the fact that we have not been one flock. Now, of course, in context here, he's prophesying the bringing in of the Gentiles, grafting in the pagans who turn to him into the family of Israel. So there's just one family. There's not two tracks to heaven, one for Jews, one for Gentiles. There's just one way that we're redeemed, and that's through our good shepherd. There is an extension that we bring forth from this today, of course. Just as there in in Jesus' day, he was looking at that other sheep from the Gentile flock that were already his. They just didn't know it. So too, are there many lost sheep out there that don't know that they're his, but God will bring them in anyway. Um, St. Augustine writes this. He says, St. Augustine writes, He was talking, you see, to the first sheepfold of the race of Israel according to the flesh, but there were others of the race of the same Israel according to faith. They were still outside. They were of the Gentiles, predestined but not yet gathered in. He knew those whom he had predestined. He knew those whom he had come to redeem by shedding of his blood. He was able to see them while they could not yet see him. He knew them, though they did not yet believe in him. And there are many of the nations spiritually that are still out there, the Gentiles spiritually, who um, he is going to bring in, and he uses us to do so. That's part of why we have pastors, shepherds under the good shepherd, is to equip you all to bring in those that are lost, those that are wandering. Evangelism is a real thing. We, we uh, talked about in our vestry retreat how this is something we want to do better as a parish. Um, they talked about in Kigali, the big conference with all those bishops from all over the world just last week, how we want to be an evangelizing people. That's part of what it means to be a Christian. But the good news here that St. Augustine brings out is that he's already made that path open for us. Um, Our articles of religion speak of election, predestination as a comfort. What does that mean? You're here because God wanted you here. 
You don't have to worry about if, oh, did I wander into the wrong flock? No, he brought you into your flock. You belong to him. That's why you're here. And if you're here under the sound of the Bible, under the sound of proper biblical preaching from a good shepherd, partaking of the sacraments, just assume that you belong to him and act accordingly. When you have wandered, repent. When you have fallen away, come back. When you've been in the valley of the shadow of death, find comfort in the rod and staff of our Lord, those tools that he uses to protect us from the wolves and follow him on the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. For he restoreth your soul, he converteth your soul. The Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.